Today's episode of The Greatest Stories Never Told is brought to you by Smart Leash Co. Supplying the highest quality surf leashes and their parts so you only pay for the necessary. Once is not enough. Follow Smart Leash Co. at www.smartleashco.com on Instagram at, at smartleashco. I use them. They're fucking genius. When you snap your leggy, you have the parts to replace and uh, keep your leggy going. And yeah, just a, a world-class leash with the added bonus that it is able to be repaired and get you back on your craft and in the cone zone. Made by a proper core lord cone fiend himself in Dan down here, our native Balna. Well played. Ain't That Swell is also brought to you by Swell CBD Oil. I use it every day to repair my flogged noggin, help me deal with anxiety, uh, reduce inflammation, helps with sleep, and it's just another great tool to have in the tool belt. Uh, Send them a DM on Instagram at swell underscore AUS. That's swell underscore AUS. Use the code word HUMAD for 10% off. HUMAD. Fantasies. Pulsing swells. Them who knows them. Seven tales on distant reefs, on fatal shores. Heroes and heroines from days of yore. They live on the fringes, pack mondo cones. Orbs of mortal conequence, pulverizing bones. Adventures and nightmares for young and old. These are the greatest stories never Today's episode of The Greatest Stories Never Told is titled, Where the Wildest Men Roam. Let's take a trip back to the 90s and to what is still one of the most feared and neglected islands in surfing. Your guide is underground Hawaiian hero and one-time Rapa Nui resident, Cole Christensen. It seemed simple enough. Cole had seen it in enough movies. You yank the reins, thrust your hips, and away it goes. But as he set out on his return journey, having spent the day surfing a remote reef in Rapa Nui, his horse suddenly refused to budge. I thought I could just ride it and gallop the thing across the whole island, he recalls. It's the mid-90s and a young Cole Christensen is on his first trip outside of Hawaii. He's landed in Rapa Nui, an obscure speck of lava some 3,500 kilometers west of Chile in the Pacific. It's among the most remote islands in the world where you can still find humans living. But Cole wasn't expecting this. I got off the plane and kind of tripped out. There were more horses than cars at that point. All dirt roads. I'd never experienced anything like it, he recalls. As the rest of the world was getting to know the internet, Rapa Nui was doing the same with the automobile. Nevertheless, with its dozens of lava reefs subject to the same swells as Tahiti and Fiji, the potential for world-class waves was obvious. 
What's more, the promise of no crowds, endless adventure, and limitless ways in which to test yourself was something the young Hawaiian just couldn't pass up. Cole first learned of Rapa Nui in high school, back when he was just getting into big wave surfing. Having grown up on the east side of Oahu, which is often sheltered from the big winter swells, he was a latecomer to the big wave game, though took up the challenge with gusto. Former American pro Chris Malloy remembers him as the kid with no stickers on his board, paddling out in boardies covered in mud from the day's labouring. We went from, who is this kid, to, who the fuck is this kid? He's charging, recalls Chris. The more he got to know him, the more he was impressed. Cole had grown up in a tough neighbourhood and was subject to regular beatdowns until he worked out a scrapping game of his own. He worked construction for his father, was an expert fisherman, rode his own boards and wasn't one for brash talk or big upping himself. In fact, he was exceedingly quiet, though there was definitely a gentle kind of madness behind it. He's a pretty humble dude, but he's also got the crazy eye, man. When he wants to do something, whether it's on land or in water, he just gets this glazed over look and it's on, says Malloy. Later, Cole turned to commercial fishing, dodging giant seas and disaster in the Pacific to pay for his travels. As the years on the road ran by, he became more inventive with his revenue streams, at one point even volunteering himself for government drug trials. Eventually, however, he returned to Hawaii, where he started up an organic farm and solar energy installation business with his brother. These days, they live a completely sustainable, off-the-grid existence. But it was back in Rapa Nui that he learned some of his earliest lessons in self-sufficiency. Sitting on top of his horse, Cole thrusts his hips and yells, Yeah! The beast doesn't budge. Cole scans the deserted hills around him. Wind whistles off the grass and out to sea. In the distance... Cobalt lines womp against the lava cliffs. Cole lowers his 7-0 to the ground, dismounts and begins walking his horse the seven miles home. We had an interesting relationship, me and my horse, says Cole. He'd gotten the beast after swapping aboard for it. There were a handful of surfers on the island and after making friends with two of them, he was shown to some of the island's waves. For his first surf, they ventured to a giant open ocean right fanned by a stiff offshore with 12-foot peaks shifting around it. I'm undergunned, was Cole's first and only thought. Although Rapa Nui has been compared to a cold water version of Tahiti, it remains firmly off the travel itineraries of the wider surfing community. A fact which makes much more sense once you've been there, says Cole. The waves are some of the most dangerous and scary waves I've ever surfed. Super slabby and heavy, like Hawaiian North Shore waves, but with no beaches. It's super sharp volcanic rock, and underneath the water, it's sea urchins the size of basketballs sitting on top of the reef. There is one small shitty hospital, and on this side of the island, where he is at the moment, there is nothing around. Just statues and cows and horses. There is nobody. If you get hurt out there, you're kind of fucked, he says. During his first session, Cole breaks his leggy and is forced to clamber up the rocks amid 10-foot surges to get his board. 
One of his partners breaks his board and gets bounced on the reef, but they survive. And it's exhilarating. It's definitely one of those places where you surf and you get out of the water and if you haven't gotten totally fucked up and survived, you're really stoked, says Cole. Word of a crazy white man dropping out of the sky into 12-footers spreads quickly around the island. There are only 3,500 people living there at the time, making Cole easily identifiable. And he's soon offered a place in a local surfer's home. The surfer happens to be from one of the biggest clans on the island, and Cole soon learns just what that means in a place like this. Following the arrival of Polynesians on Rapa Nui around 700 BC, the island developed into a sophisticated early society. Governance came from a high chief selected more or less on the basis of the strength and size of his clan. Upon their deaths, the chiefs were deified in the form of the rock statues that now line the coast of Rapa Nui and are regarded among the world's most prized archaeological possessions. The population on this tiny island exploded in those early years, exhausting its resources and forcing the clan to fight and eventually eat each other. By the time Europeans arrived in the 1700s, the population had plummeted from a high of 15,000 to 3,000. By the middle of the 19th century, with the slave trade in full effect and introduced diseases like tuberculosis wreaking havoc, the population of Rapa Nui dwindled to 111. The population has recovered back to its norm and remains still very much a bastion of old world Polynesia. The Pakarati family, with whom Cole had shacked up with, were one of the biggest clans on the island, and he was glad they were once he started visiting the local bar. It was a pretty rowdy scene, remembers Cole, of the Rapa Nui party scene. The Pakaratis lived next door to the island's discotheque, and it soon became a tradition for Cole and his travel partner to toast a day of waves at the bar. After tying their horses up out front, Cole remembers entering a room full of giants with even bigger appetites for booze. At any one time, there might be several clan disputes doing the rounds, meaning it wouldn't take long for the fists and bar stools to start flying. You'd get in a lot of quarrels. Luckily, I was staying with one of the biggest families and I'd party with them, so I only got in a few, says Cole. For the lone foreigner in the bar, there was also one other side effect. The girls would rape you, says Cole. Often the antics of the night paled in comparison to the morning after. Cole remembers cavalcades of drunkards slumped over their horses being carted home. One time he watched a drunkard run his horse at full gallop into an oncoming VW combi. The drunkard was thrown over the van, landing in a crumpled heap on the other side. The horse's head smashed through the windshield, almost killing the driver, while the horse was killed instantly. With only a tiny medical clinic on the island, serious injuries require an evacuation to Santiago, the capital of Chile, five and a half hours flight away. It's hardly an incentive to risk your life surfing the island's giant waves, but as Cole puts it, you're young and dumb and charging. You're never thinking of that. Apart from one mishap in which he was rolled across a bed of basketball-sized urchins, Cole's time on the island was relatively injury-free. He and his Pakarati friend spent months riding the countryside, 
they would camp out for as long as a week, living off the land and surfing. Cole soon took up with a local girl and ended up staying almost a year, in which time he became totally immersed in the local culture. He even competed in the famous Tapati Festival, in which locals race around the island's lake carrying giant bunches of bananas. Today, Cole is among the world's best big wave surfers, having racked up bombs at cloud break and during the most recent swell at Chopu. But it was his first trip in Rapa Nui that is his most memorable. So adored was he by the local community, they demanded he be initiated with a traditional tattoo before leaving. Cole agreed, and as a final parting gift, was thrown a banquet. What was on the menu, you ask? His trusty steed. Yeah, we barbecued it, says Cole. They eat a lot of horse there. 